The Productive Woman, Episode 333. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I'll share with you my conversation with special education professional, mom, and military wife, Carla Swartz. You'll find more information about Carla, along with links to resources she recommends and the various ways you can connect with her online in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 333. This episode is brought to you by Calm. You know, one of the most powerful ways to improve your overall health and happiness is to get a good night's sleep. But if your daily routine has changed, as has been the case for many of us during these pandemic times, it's, it can be harder to fall and stay asleep. And that's why I'm excited to partner with Calm, the app designed to help you ease stress and get the best sleep of your life. And when you relieve anxiety and improve your sleep, you feel better in every part of your life. Calm has a whole library of programs designed for healthy sleep, like soundscapes, guided meditations, and over a hundred of what they call sleep stories, narrated by soothing voices like Stephen Fry, Kelly Rowland, and Laura Dern. Over 85 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds and get better sleep. And I can attest to the fact that it really works. Those sleep stories the the narrations are great. The stories are interesting as far as I can tell, because I have to confess, I have never heard the end of one of the stories. I always fall asleep well before the story ends. Um, sometimes I try to play a, a story over again so I can hear how it ends, but I've never gotten to the end. And so, like I said, I'm one of over 85 million people around the world who use Calm for this purpose. If you go to calm.com slash TPW, they are offering you a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming, all these sleep stories, guided meditations. Uh, you can use it for more than just getting to sleep, but I can tell you it makes such a huge difference for me in my ability to get to sleep. Get the Calm app and experience a transformation in the way you sleep. As I said, for listeners of this podcast, they're offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off their Calm premium subscription. Just visit Calm, that's C-A-L-M, calm.com slash T-P-W for 40% off unlimited access to their entire library with new content being added every week. Get started today so you can sleep well tonight by visiting calm.com slash T-P-W. Once again, that's calm, C-A-L-M, calm.com slash T-P-W. I'm so pleased to introduce to the Productive Woman listeners, Carla Swartz. Carla is a special education professional in Western Pennsylvania, where she lives with her husband, who's currently on a long deployment with the U.S. military, and their two children, a 21-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. She currently works for a public cyber charter school as a regional director of special education. And prior to moving into administration, she taught special education for 10 years. In her free time, she loves to read, to trail run, and to shop for antiques. Uh, a woman after my own heart, except for maybe the trail run part. Um, she's also a member of the Productive Woman community that I connected with in our TPW community Facebook group. And I've really been looking forward to talking with her about how she's making a life that matters. So welcome, Carla. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad that we could get together and talk. Um, you commented on, I think I had posted something in the community Facebook group about um, asking if anybody was a, a military person or a military spouse. And you responded to that. And, and we chatted a little bit about how your husband's been gone on deployment for a very long time. And 
I just thought it was so interesting to hear, or it would be interesting to hear how you manage that. Uh, I have a, a son who's in the military who goes, you know, he's on a submarine and he disappears for months at a time. And, uh, you know, so I kind of know a little bit about how his wife deals with that with, with our grandsons, but I'm looking forward to hearing how you're dealing with all of that, how you kind of manage a job and a family and all that with when your partner is gone for a long time. Um, but before we get into all that, uh, I introduced you a little bit, but maybe you could we could start by you telling us just a little more about who you are, where you are, what you do, whatever you think is important for us to know as a backdrop for our discussion about productivity. So I am from Western Pennsylvania. I've been here since I was 14. I met my husband in high school. Mm-hmm. We actually started dating when we were in 10th grade. So we've been happily married and had two children over the past 21 years. I have always known I wanted to be in the education field. It was a passion of mine since I became a mother and just learning how to interact and spend time with my son and then my daughter. Uh, And so my career kind of blossomed as they were growing. We kind of grew up together to manage all of those things. Now, as they're older, I found myself ready to move into the administrative role, and that's what I've been doing for the past four years. My husband's been in the military since 18 years of age and just been a part of our past 21 years. This is his third deployment, and throughout the 21 years were a lot of trainings, uh, guard weekends, things of that nature. So it's something that we are very experienced in dealing with, but each time is very different. And so kind of just navigating all of that and growing as a family and balancing that with my career has always been a challenge, but I think I'm getting better at it as I get older. Yeah, it's interesting, especially when I I can imagine when the kids were younger, uh, deployments really are a challenge if you're a working mom and now you don't have that backup of a partner who's there, you know, hands-on to sort of share the load with a little bit. And I want to talk about that in, you know, maybe in a minute, but let's talk right now about uh, just the general stuff uh, as far as how you're getting the things done that are important to you. And I think it's always helpful when we're talking about productivity and the the routines and the things that we do and the tools that work for us, it's helpful to have a little context for those sorts of things. And to me, that context is, well, what is your life like? Because what works for a person, you know, like me, my kids are all grown and gone and my husband's here all the time. What works for me might not work for someone who's got young kids at home or for, you know, someone in another situation. So if there is such a thing for you as a typical day, what might that look like? I think universally just struggling, balancing career and family is a challenge for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think it develops as we get older and are aware of, of our family's needs. And at that stage of our life, when it's, you know, your children are young, you have a lot of time that you need to spend on just survival and getting everybody through those things. And then as our children grow older, they're more independent and kind of finding that balance, uh, as a mother, I think has been the hardest part of this deployment. So I think one of the things that I focus on every day are just the priorities. What do I really have to accomplish in this day that professionally is important and requires a timeline? And what personally do I have to accomplish today that absolutely needs done? What bills need paid? What household items need done that aren't going to pile up and just prioritizing what I have to do. I get those things done. Anything I have energy for after, then I do. Otherwise, I am comfortable at this moment in my life having things on my plate and they will be accomplished the next day or within the week. So I think it's just being very cognizant of 
my time? What is a priority? What's most important for my children and myself and my career at this time? And just allowing things to stay on my plate and get them done as I can. Yeah, not feeling like you have to do everything every day and do it all perfectly. Giving giving yourself that grace. Yes, I think that's very important. I I don't think I had that self-awareness in my early 20s, even late 20s, but as I get older, I I see that it's not so important to get everything done and do it perfectly. It's just very an unrealistic goal. If you set yourself up to have perfection all the time, you're going to feel like a failure all the time because it's just not something that as humans we can do. And so there are going to be things in your life that are going to be not to your full potential. And you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with this is the best I can give at this moment and then relying on those people, whether it's professional peers or other family members to kind of pick up the slack. Mm, Yeah. And so as you are taking that approach to your life, which I think is a very sane and wise way of looking at things, being aware of what's possible in a day and, and not saying, well, I'm not, I'm just not even going to try life's too hard. I'm not going to try, but just being, being honest with yourself. This is what can get done today. This is what's most important. I'm going to focus my energy and my time and my attention on, on these things and the rest of it can wait. How did you get to that point? I think it was through trial and error, just maturing as um, I got older, making mistakes and burning out. Mm. You know, I almost had to get to the point where I was very overwhelmed and lacked confidence to see that this wasn't healthy for me. This was not the best for my family. It wasn't best for my career. And so what can I do? What can I get done? And what can I ask for help with? Mm. Um, And just being okay with asking for help too. It's not something that comes naturally to me. I like to be able to do everything and do it well. But as I've grown as a spouse and a mother and in my career, I've learned that I can't do everything and I'm not meant to. And that's why you have a network of friends, family, colleagues that you can count on to kind of get you over those times in your life when you're struggling. Yeah. And so with your husband gone for long stretches of time on deployment, um, do you have, do you live somewhere where you have a family nearby to, who can step in and and be a support system for you? Or uh, how did you build that? I'm very fortunate that my in-laws are within five miles of my house. My parents are within 10 miles of my house. I have siblings that are close. My sister-in-law is very close. And then I'm lucky to have very good friends that I can rely on to help me. My neighbors, I, I think just even when I feel like I don't have somebody close, I do. I if my neighbor sees me struggling, taking up the trash in the driveway, her husband comes over. If a pipe freezes, you know, I have somebody to call. So it's, it's just people are aware of my situation right now. And I think even when I don't seek out help for myself, they ask me how I am or ask if I need assistance and kind of force me to allow the help. Mm. That's such a great thing to to have people around you like that and to have developed that network that can support you in the times when you're when your husband is gone and you're kind of having to deal with it. Otherwise, you'd be dealing with it all alone. What would you say to maybe a woman who's in a similar situation, but maybe the military has moved her to somewhere where she doesn't doesn't have family nearby. How do you, any ideas on, on developing a network for support during those deployments 
for that kind of person who's not living where they grew up and, and doesn't have, you know, parents and siblings to call upon. I've always had my family, but I've encountered times in my life where I haven't maybe had a, a really good friend close at hand to help or siblings or friends that I've had are different points in their lives where they're just not available. Mm-hmm. I'm not a very outgoing person. And I think in those times I have to force myself to network mm-hmm. myself as a mom, a friend, uh, and an employee, just, I have to force myself out of my comfort zone and search out things within my community, people around me that in times when you need it, come to your circle. I'm a very big believer that your circle changes as your life kind of grows and why you always have those consistent people that remain in your life. There are also times where people pop into your life when you just need them, but you have to let yourself be open to that relationship. And so going into the community, finding a mom support group or joining one on Facebook or walking to your neighbor's house that you have never talked to and just putting yourself out there is really helpful. It's the times where I isolate myself that I find that I become overwhelmed or feel very lonely. And so I have to seek that those relationships out for myself at times, they're not always going to come to you. So just stepping out of your comfort zone and being open to new relationships, new people in your life, and letting people know that you're vulnerable and you need help, um, not keeping it all inside. Mm. Yeah. And that's hard for a lot of us. I, as you were talking about, I was thinking about some of the writing that Brene Brown has done on the uh, importance of connection and the necessity uh, for being willing to be vulnerable in order to connect with other people. And, and that's hard for a lot of us in this, you know, 21st century day and age, um, to, to allow ourselves to be, to be vulnerable and to be seen as vulnerable and to recognize that that's not weakness, that's human. We, and we need each other and to pretend otherwise is to, to isolate ourselves in a way that, um, that that doesn't serve us or anybody else. Yes, I definitely, like I said, it's my nature. I'm a very shy person until you get to know me. And I enjoy observation and people watching rather than really interacting a lot. And so over the years, I've, I've really grown in that area. I think in my career, I think that's especially helped because I'm forced to be in situations that are uncomfortable and forced to interact and talk and present and lead things that, um, you know, I, I naturally wouldn't put myself in those situations. And so I think the more you make yourself do something, the easier it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of really profound insight there. Something that, uh, you know, as, as an introvert myself, uh, so much of what you're saying uh, resonates with me. On a very practical level, I, I want to pivot a little bit into sort of a practical level of as you are, you know, getting the things done that you need to do during the day and the the priorities that are important to you. I'd like to maybe dig in a little bit to how you make that work. So for instance, are you an early riser, a late stayer upper, or some combination of the two? What does your actual day look like? So I am an early riser. I like to wake up early and start my day. Um, right, right now, I've been doing a treadmill workout that's programmed into my treadmill. I just hop on it. That's when I listen to my morning podcasts and kind of clear my mind and start the day. I've especially found that structure hard to keep with working from home Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to an office and my desk is literally five feet away from my bed. It's so easy to push snooze and stay in bed for an extra 15, 20 minutes. But I have found that cognitively, I'm just not, 
at my best when I do that. I really need that time in the morning to prepare myself for the day, have a couple moments to myself where, you know, people aren't reaching out to me to problem solve and ask questions uh, if I haven't allowed myself to have that time. So I typically wake up currently between 5 and 5.30. I do my workout, listen to a podcast, and then I, you know, can shower and start my day. I found that if I take breaks during the day to even just listen to a song and dance around my office or just walk up and down the stairs a couple of times, I clear my head a lot more Mm. than just staying in work mode for, you know, eight to 10 straight hours. So I've actually started setting an alarm on my iWatch that um, lets me know when I need to step away. And even if it's telling a colleague, you know, call my cell phone instead of my office um, phone so that I can walk around, it it helps me. So that's typically how I get, you know, through my day. I start very early, have some time to myself, and then get into my day. And I find it a lot easier to do all the things I need to do. Yeah, I like that idea of of setting an alarm to remind yourself to get up and walk away because I you know, I also work from home as a lot of us do these days and it's very easy if you get, you know, you sort of get into whatever the workday is calling for and you can sit there all day long at the desk and uh, you know, all of us have a little bit of a, as you kind of put it, a cognitive decline over the course of a day. If we don't take breaks, I have a hard time remembering to do that, to just get up. I like the idea of just get up and, you know, walk up and down the stairs a couple of times or do something to move your body and let your brain kind of process what's been happening and reset a little bit. I think that's really important in these, um, work from home, times where it's hard to sometimes to find those boundaries between uh, work and, and, and personal life. Yes. I was primarily working from an office Monday through Friday until the pandemic hit. And while I didn't consider myself a very social person, I very quickly realized how much I needed to be able to walk out of my office and just say hello to a colleague or see how a teacher's day is going or interact with a family that would pop into our drop-in center. And I really missed that once it was a couple of months in. So I think now working from home, especially, I really have to make myself take breaks because it's very hard finding that balance between professional and personal life when your office is in your home. So I think anyone that works from home consistently, if, I mean, for me, my home office is in my bedroom. That's the only space I have. And it's so easy for me to sit in bed at night and hear the email dings or a peer that's on Skype late at night and wants to answer a question or things like that and to to remove myself from those things past a certain point of the day. So I've actually taken notifications off of my phone so that I don't get them anymore. And I shut down my computer so that I can't hear the notifications because it very quickly turned into, oh, I can answer a question real quick, or I can look at an email and it's three hours has passed. And you don't even realize it because there's no separation between personal and work life for a lot of people right now. Yeah, boy, that that is so true. And that's a great way of dealing with it, taking the notifications off and shutting your computer down. I'm fortunate to have a separate room for my home office. So, you know, I don't have the, the concern of it talking to me when I've left work, so to speak, for the day. But I do have a a ritual at the end of the day where I sort of, I enter my time, I put some, put things away, clear off my desk, and then I close the doors to my office and try not to come back in here again, at least not for work. You know, I may come in, 
to do certain things for the productive woman. But for my legal practice, I really try to, you know, signal to myself that that part of the day is done and close the door and, and walk away from it. I think each of us has to find a way to create those boundaries. Uh, each of us that's, that's working from home during this, this pandemic time. We've talked a little bit about this, but I'd like to to go back to one of the things I always like to talk with guests about is, you know, what are the the challenges you face in terms of being productive in the way that you want to and getting the things done that are important to you? And I'd love to hear what at this stage of your life or maybe over time, both in the context of when your husband's deployed and when he's home, what do you find are your biggest challenges when it comes to managing the, the your life in general and, and being productive in the way you want to be? So I think very early on in my career, I made it so that I couldn't end my day until everything was cleared off of my plate for that day. And it, Quickly, especially when you're a teacher, it becomes very difficult to do because a teacher's work is never really done and you can plan and plan and plan and still have more to do. And it's very similar in an administrative role in a school. You always have teachers that have questions or parents that are reaching out to you or supervisors that, you know, have more work for you to do. And I think the balance in that is always difficult and there's always certain times in any career that are busier than others. In the school setting, it's always fall at the beginning of the year and then at the end of the year when you're planning for the next school year. And so Mm -hmm. I know that there are times within the work year that I'm going to have to do a lot more hours professionally that I can do personally. My I'm lucky to have a spouse that when he's home, everything is 50-50 when we need it to be. And if I have to give 80% of my time to work in the fall, then he picks up my slack for me. Um, my children are also old enough that they can help uh, do a lot of those things now where they don't need me and they're not as Um, dependent on me for surviving right now. So I think it's different during each phase of your life. But I think just allowing yourself the ability to say, okay, my house is going to be messy right now. I'm not going to get to the dishes every single day. And I'm not going to be able to dust or clean or do whatever all the time. I have to focus more of that on work right now. Mm -hmm. And just being okay with that, that you can't do all of the things. And then relying on the people in your life that can help you is very important. So I think it is very dependent on the stage of life that you're in and, and what is all on your plate. But there's never going to be a time that you're able to do it all. And so I think just giving yourself that grace and being happy with what you can accomplish and just finishing up your day knowing that there's going to be tasks that are going to trickle over into the next day, whether it's household things or career, professional things, um, and just being okay with that. Being okay with it takes a lot of maturity and growth. So I think it really it depends on where you're you're at in your career, how fulfilled you are in your life that you allow yourself to do that. But it's a necessity to survive. Yeah. Thinking back to what you said earlier, that you came to this point and this realization over time, uh, that maybe... When you were younger, you didn't recognize this. And you I think you, this is what you were alluding to a little earlier, that early in your career, you were trying to do it all. You were trying to get everything done and, and, you know, not leave work until everything was done. And I felt the same way early in my legal career. I felt like I can't go home until all this work is done. And it took a while to realize it's never going to all be done. (laughs) If I'm not going to leave work until it's all done, I will never leave work. Yes. And I have teachers and managers that are under me and I say that a lot and I often feel like I'm preaching to them that work's always going to be there. Your kids aren't always going to be young and your 
husband's not always going to want to wait for you to finish things for you to have quality time with him. So just making sure that you're balancing those things is so important because I think we all have those scenarios in our head where you can think of a time where you wish you would have played with your kids longer or you wish you would have, you know, taken the time to go to an antique fair that you really wanted to and you skipped it to do email or whatever. And I think you just reach a point in your life where you come to the realization that I'm working really hard. I put in a lot of effort in my job. I always work. 10, 11 hour days. But I've come to the point where when I'm done with those 10 or 11 hours, I shut off and I'm okay with it. And no matter how often you tell others that through your experiences, it's almost as if they have to live it for themselves and figure it out to believe it. Because like I said, I think a lot of people that I supervise or interact with every day, I tell them these things and it's just so hard to get them to believe it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I wish that I could. That's one thing I really try very hard to say when I'm onboarding anybody at work is just really take that time and don't let yourself burn out because you're not a good spouse. You're not a good mother. You're not a good employee when you've reached that point. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much, um, so much truth there and so much wisdom that, and it does seem like we all have to go through that uh, ourselves before we realize, no, no, that's really true. That thing that, that, that uh, other woman, that older woman, or that, you know, woman with more experience has been telling me it's actually true. Uh, and, and, you know, I remember when my kids were very young, of course, just like everybody else, uh, when older moms would say, Oh yeah, I know it's tiring, but they, they stay little for such a short period of time. You won't always feel this way. Uh, cherish the time you have with them. And I would roll my eyes and think you're, you're out of your mind. I'm going to, I'm, I'm drowning here. Uh, And now I look back, you know, from years later with my kids all grown and gone and several of them having kids of their own and thinking that they were absolutely right. It was a a blink of an eye and they were gone. Yeah. So, you know, we, I guess we learn, (laughs) learn through time, don't we, Carla? Yes, definitely. And I can speak to that now with my my son's 21 and or 22. He just turned 22 and my daughter's 15. And the first two deployments of my marriage, my kids were very young. The first one, my daughter, Abigail was only two weeks old and my husband left for 18 months uh, for a deployment. And my son was six at the time. And then the second time he left, my daughter was seven and my son was 13, 14. And so each one of those deployments has been very different Mm. in my parenting and interaction with my kids and how much time it took as a mother versus and professionally during that time. I think a lot of my energy was spent being a mother and worrying about my kids and how you know, they were missing their father and trying to play both roles and give them everything they needed. And now this third deployment has really changed. I thought I had it all together. When he announced he was being deployed, I was like, okay, this is the third one. I've been through this. I know what to do. It's going to be so much easier this time because the kids are older. When he left in July, all of a sudden it was like, okay, my son's in college. My daughter's just at that age where she doesn't want to interact or talk to me unless she needs food or money or a ride somewhere. It was like, wow, this is really a lot lonelier than I thought it was going to be. And so I dove into my professional things more so because they don't need me as much right now. So I think balancing that each deployment has been a lot different. And I have expectations going into each one that it's going to be the same. And it's not. You have to really allow yourself to not expect things to be as you think they're going to be. Mm -hmm. And so just navigating each one. So 
-hmm. I think this time I dove into my career a lot more and now I'm kind of learning like, okay, she's a teenager. She still does need me. I need to interact with her even when I think she doesn't want me to. So then I backed off a little bit and I'm trying to equal professional and personal life again. So I think just that balance is so different in each stage of your life. And when you're a military spouse, it's very different each time. You can't just expect things to be the same. And so that was a hard adjustment for me this time. Mm. So he's been gone since July as we're talking, right? Or I guess that's July of 2020. We're talking right now. It's late January of 2021. When's he coming home? He comes home in May of this year, um, the end of May. So May 30th to like the first week of June. Okay. And you, you've said this is the third time that he's been away for a long stretch of time. How do you maintain that relationship with him when he's gone for long periods of time? How does that work? It's very difficult. I've likened it to you're not really married when he's away, if that makes sense. So you have this like pen pal relationship and your conversations are very like, what's the weather? What did you eat today? How was work? And while those conversations are all, they happen in a marriage all the time, you know, but it's, it's different when you're in person versus thousands of miles away. So when you're talking in the kitchen and you're in close contact and, you know, you, uh, touch your spouse's hand or lean over to give them a kiss and like none of that's there. So it's a very casual a friend-like relationship. And that, and that's really hard to adjust to. It takes a long time for it to be like a feeling like it's normal. Mm-hmm. And then when you feel like it's normal, you feel guilty about it because you're like, well, I shouldn't feel this way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's my husband. I should not be okay with this, but you have to be okay with how things are in your relationship. You also become very different people you grow individually and not together. And while that's important in any marriage, it's very hard to come back or come together after a long deployment and see how much they've grown without you. And any relationship, you like to feel like, well, he's not going to be happy without seeing me every day and being able to do all of those things. And, you know, she's going to be really unhappy with at home and, it's almost like you're really happy that they're successful and really happy that they're independent and able to make decisions. But then you're like, oh, well, they don't need me mm-hmm. as much as I thought. <laughs> and while that's not necessarily the, the truest statement, you, it's kind of like a survival mode and you and you do what you have to do. It's really difficult to come back home and navigate that relationship once he gets back. So I always say while the deployment deployments a year long, it really takes probably two years out of your life because you spend so much time before the deployment feeling all of those feelings and getting overwhelmed by the thought of what's going to happen. Then you're in it and you're in survival mode and you do what you have to do. And then when you get back to things, it takes several months to like get back into your routine and do the things that you always did as a couple and feel comfortable about it. So military life's really hard. And I think I'm lucky that he's in the National Guard. So we don't travel. I don't have to travel a lot. He does. Um, And so we're not uprooting our family all of the time, but he is uprooting himself all the time. So I think it's difficult for him. I think he has a lot of things that I could never understand going on. And then he doesn't understand the things that go on at home that are just without him here really hard. And so just when he comes back, trying to figure out like, okay, how do we work together now as a couple and and get through all of that? So it takes a lot of time and you have to be okay with being uncomfortable with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I can only imagine. Like I said, I've I've seen it from a distance with our 
our oldest son, who's been in the U.S. Navy for many years, and he and his wife have three little boys, and he he goes out for, I I don't think he's ever been gone like a full year, but several months at a time. And he's uh, on a submarine, so there are long stretches of time where he's incommunicado. You can't reach him at all. It seems to me there is, and I think you've kind of described this, this this um, balance between being a couple, but then being being able to be independent and function as a single parent for the the duration of the of the deployment, and then readjusting to being a couple again. I can only imagine how difficult that is. And when we talk about productivity and and making a life that matters, this is a real challenge, I would think, for you and for other military spouses who go through that same kind of thing. You develop certain routines when they're gone that get disrupted when they come back. And it's like, I'm, I'm so glad you're back, but you're interfering with my routine. Yes, you learn to compartmentalize a lot. It, when I start work, I have to just do work. And when that day ends, then I can allow myself, you know, to miss him, to have all of those emotions. But I, you just can't function. It can take over your whole self if you let it. I almost have to schedule times. And I know that sounds so odd, but I have to schedule times where, okay, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to miss him. And then you have to shut it off. Like you can't allow yourself to feel like that all the time. And so I do, I just allow myself those 15, 20 minutes of like a complete breakdown. And then I stop and it's like, okay, Carla, you have to get it together. This is what you have to do and move on. And that's what works for me is just allowing myself the time to be sad and feel all of the emotions. Um, But then really just being able to say, okay, that's done. And now what is next? Because you could really let the grief of the situation and how much, you know, you're missing as a family together, eat you alive if you want it to. And it's not healthy to do that. Mm, Yeah. There's so much there uh, and so much that uh, I feel like the rest of us can learn from even those of us who don't have a spouse that, you know, has to go off for, for months at a time for various things. I mean, I think similar situations besides military families, I know in, in Texas and other parts of the country here, and maybe in other parts of the world, uh, there are spouses who work on oil rigs or something and, and that are gone for long periods of time. And so it's a similar kind of situation. And, Every family, I think, probably has to find for themselves a a way of functioning in that and a way of making it work for them. But I think we can all learn some lessons from some of the things that you've been talking about today and, and allowing ourselves time to feel the feelings of whatever situation we're in, but then, um, sort of girding our loins, so to speak, and, and, moving on with what needs to happen. And so I appreciate you being willing to kind of talk about these things because there's so much there that's relevant to all of us, even those of us who don't have a military spouse. We've talked about how you're getting things done and how you decide what's important to you and how you get through your days and and manage your, your time and your space and all of that. Uh, but I'm going to ask you, and I think we've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'm going to ask you anyway, the question I ask every guest, and that is with your very sane mindset about all these things and the routines and the systems you have in place, do you ever have a day when it all gets away from you or you just get completely stressed out and overwhelmed? And if so, what do you do to get back on track? I think definitely there are those days where things kind of come to a head, uh, especially in the pandemic, personal and professional have kind of been mixed because we're all in the same house. And my daughter may have a crisis at work or at school that she needs my help with 
and a meeting's taking place or, you know, my son's car might break down and he needs me to do something for him while I'm work. And I think it's just in those moments, I just do what I have to do and come back and play catch up or delegate things to other people that I know can help me. I have an instance a couple weeks ago where I was in a Zoom meeting with uh, peers and we were brainstorming and doing things. And my daughter just runs through the bedroom in tears about something that happened at work. And so I shut off my Zoom. I gave her a hug. We talked about it for two minutes. I came back and I got caught up in what was happening in the meeting and kind of just dealt with it. And I think in those times, that's where you just have to say, okay, what's the priority? Who needs me the most? And at that moment, it was my daughter. And so I just, I put work on hold for a minute and took care of it, then caught up with what I needed to, you know, later in that day. I think when you have things that get away from you, you just have to find what's most important and prioritize those things. Then be okay with asking for help and and getting through it. And if it's something you have to do yourself, you're going to have to work extra hours and get those things done. And, you know, when she was calm, then later that evening, I, you know, picked up and answered my emails and did the tasks that I should have done earlier in the day. So in crisis, I found myself to be able to be in the moment. Again, I don't think I had that quality or skill uh, when I was younger, but I think you just kind of learn as you mature, you know, what's most important. And if there's a crisis and you are the person that either professionally or personally that somebody's reaching out to you, if you're also in crisis, you can't really be of help to them. And so just navigating that and finding the calm in the moment and taking that and working the best you can with it. Very wise. Carla, I know you're not a you're not like a public figure or anything, but if there's someone listening who, you know, resonates with the things you've said, who maybe wants to ask you a question or just share their thoughts with you or get your feedback on their situation, is there any way that folks could connect with you online or, you know, whether it's social media or email or something? Uh, yes, I have a Gmail account, so I can definitely share that with you. And I'm on Facebook, just my normal name, Carla Swartz. You can look me up. I always like to interact and talk with people and get fresh ideas because I certainly don't know it all. So even if somebody else has heard something that today that they think they have a good idea, I'm, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> Excellent. So we'll put, we'll put that information in the show notes for this episode in case anybody wants to connect with you. Uh, anything coming up that you're particularly looking forward to Carla, what's on the horizon for you either personally or professionally that you're, that you're excited about or looking forward to? Um, I think I want to hope that this pandemic is slowly coming to an end and we can kind of resume our normal activities. I had to cancel a trip um, with my husband. We were to go to New Orleans for a long weekend before he was deployed and we had to cancel that. So we are hopefully going to do a trip when he gets back. And um, so I think I'm just counting down, you know, the months have, we're ha a little over halfway through the deployment. So that's my end goal right now is to get to the end of May and take that trip and move on from there. It's definitely worth looking forward to. Before we go, do you have any last words for the listener who might be looking for a little help or encouragement in, in getting things done and making a life that matters? Do you have any thoughts for her? I think I would say to anyone, there's always going to be something to do. There's never going to be a time in your life where you are 100% done with all of the things that you have to do. And whether that's being a stay-at-home mom or a professional, just be okay with letting things on your plate and not stressing about getting everything done. I've been very aware that as I reach the age of 40, that 
you only have this one life and you only have the people in your circle with you for so long. And so the relationships that you build and the people in your life that you love, they need to know that you admire them and love them and making time for that over some of these silly things that we waste our energy on is really what's most important. Wise words indeed. Thank you so much, Carla, for taking the time to talk to me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, I really enjoyed talking with Carla and appreciated so much her willingness to just come on here and be very open and and vulnerable about the things she's dealt with as a military spouse. I think so much of what she had to say is relevant, certainly to my life. Um, I felt like she offered some very wise and sane ways of looking at things to help us manage difficult times, manage our relationships, manage day-to-day life. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with her and her thoughts on how she's making a life that matters and the encouragement she offered to the rest of us. But what do you think? Do you have any questions or thoughts on the things that Carla and I talked about? You can share those questions or thoughts in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 333. You can also post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. And if you are a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, Carla is a member there as well. That's where she and I connected and and had the conversation that led me to invite her to be my guest on the show. So reach out to either one of us there uh, to talk about the things we talked about here. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can always email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I would love to hear from you. Before we go, I want to remind you that Calm, that the app that helps me get to sleep at night, is offering that special limited time promotion of 40% off the Calm premium subscription simply by going to calm.com slash TPW to get 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library with new content added every week. Once more, that's calm.com slash tpw and thank you so much to calm for supporting the productive woman podcast and that's it for this episode of the productive woman i hope you enjoyed it i hope you found something that is helpful and encouraging to you thank you so much for spending this time with me and with carla i look forward to talking with you again very soon so until next time remember extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter (music) 